Welcome back to the Peaked Too Early podcast. This is season four, episode 11 of the pod. My name is Blake Munchell. I'm joined by the ever lovely Oscar Saywell. Oscar, how are you doing? Hi, I'm doing pretty good. Um, the world is tough, but we had an excellent weekend of football to distract us. Um, one of the best weekends of Premier League football in a long time, I feel like, right? Just looking mm. around the games this weekend, some sensational stuff that I'm looking forward to talking about. How are you, Blake? <clears throat> um, I will not echo the best weekends of football because oh, it was okay. quite sad for me. But well, that's true. Um, that is true. Outside of Premier League, uh, I am very happy to announce that my soccer team had won the championship last Tuesday. No way! Uh, are you serious? So, Yes, you are talking to an official trophy holder. No, I thought you said a couple of weeks ago or a month ago or so that there was no way you could make the run to the uh, to the championship. Or is that, that a was different probably, league? Yeah, that was my Maryland oh, league. Okay. Um, wow. Congratulations. Yeah this, yeah, this New Jersey team is tough. Did you, uh, did you get an actual trophy? No. Oh. We didn't even get like a recognition or anything that we won. Um, what? It's just what? on the website. It says we won. No way. Um, That's awesome. Congrats. Yeah, it is. It is very cool. It is. I think the. Uh, it is the second championship I've ever won as a player. Wow. I won a futsal tournament. Nice. A while ago. Um, but yeah, this was nice. I think I was. I was either the second or the third highest goal scorer, um, wow. which was also really nice. Um, Very impressive. So, uh, yeah, I'm not just a uh, football podcaster. I also can back it up champion. on the pitch. Um, yeah, so that was really nice. Um, and literally tomorrow, the winter season starts. So is it indoor? Not even. Yeah, not even a week wow. off. Um, Relentless. Just, just, yeah, straight into the next season, which is nice. I'd prefer yeah, it that, that way. Yeah, that's nice. Yeah. Oh, that's really nice. I'll live vicariously through you. I haven't won a championship of anything, so. Uh, you've won the championship of the best uh, podcast co-host I could ask wow. for. Uh, thank you. Um, Oscar. Yeah. Um, this, these, well, so one, uh, for clarity's sake, we are recording late. We did yeah. skip last week, basically. Sorry, but yeah. um, West Ham and Newcastle sort of had a mirrored mm. results. Um, we did, didn't you we? Know, West Ham had a really disappointing loss last week, and then this week had a very incredible win. Yeah, um, sensational win. Uh, and then last week for Newcastle, Newcastle had a sensational win. Uh, and this week, the wheels fell off the bus. Did um, fall off the bus. Oh, man. So do you want to talk about that Brentford game? Other than, Is there anything to say other than uh, Brentford have never not won yeah. against West Ham? I, I think that's the, that's the only thing to say. Um, because I think, the, at least from my perspective, the, the win is more interesting. Yeah, no, Brentford are... I mean, I know I say this about basically every single team in the Premier League, but they're a proper bogey team for us, and the stats actually back that up. Um, they have been in poor form this season, but they thrust us aside, really. I, I don't know, really know what else to say about that. Um, we were not on it. They beat us pretty easy. Um, so I guess maybe our styles just don't match up well there. Um and yeah, it was a, it was a much needed three points for Thomas Frank's side, I suppose, especially after their three 0 loss to Liverpool this weekend. Well, yeah, not much to say you, about that match. If you do need a silver lining, that is the first time that West Ham has ever scored more than one goal against That's Brentford. Kind of crazy, isn't it? Yeah. Every other match ended Brentford two, West Ham one. Yeah. Yeah. Um. Yeah. So let's flip this conversation. Um, literally flipping the scoreline. West Ham 3, Nottingham Forest 2. Yeah, literally. Uh, in a sensational match. Um, I was fortunate enough to watch the full thing. I, I don't know. know if you did. Sadly, I didn't, which is, I mean, what a, what a circumstance that you've watched a full West Ham match and I haven't. Um, yeah, I heard someone describe this as 
like the chaotic preview to a like drama film that you might see in a cinema in like the late 2000s or early 2010s. Apparently there was a string of like serious films, serious feature films that had really weird and fun previews. And I uh, saw someone describing it, this game uh, as that to, to Chelsea and Man City's match um, later in the day. But Blake, I have plenty of notes on this, but you watched it. So I'm sure you can, you can give us some insight into how this match went down. Um, yeah, I, I will echo your statement about, um, how it was a, you know, sort of like a precursor yeah. to this sensationally chaotic game, but I would call this match like a classic great, mm. uh, you know, Premier League match and mm. then, uh, city Chelsea as like the inexplicable, you know, um, so this is like a really, really, really solid movie. Uh, and then Chelsea city is like a movie that you've never seen a single movie like it. Um, like everything everywhere all at once. I was going to say Banshees of Inisherin. Inisherin. Okay, that's a shout. Yeah, um, I like that. Where, okay. you know, just, I've never seen a movie like that. Yeah. Um, but, um, this match started with, honestly, I thought the announcers were being sort of too nice to West Ham. Um, mm. You know, they were talking about how you know, West Ham were absolutely dominating Forest, but you know, I think especially in the first half, there was not right. a lot between the two teams. Um, West Ham were gifted a goal on a golden platter. Yeah. Um, it's not so common that you see a goal that comes from a ball being fired off someone's ass, but <laughs> this weekend we saw it twice. Yeah, twice. Yeah, we did. Uh, which is pretty incredible. Um, but I mean, it, that goal comes about by Forrest being, you know, way too lackadaisical on the ball. Yes, um, Dominguez had a yeah. nightmare with that one. Yeah, yeah, and I think he got it got yanked at halftime, mm-hmm. maybe. Um, which, yeah, you know, fair enough. Um, he did look quite rattled because of it. Yeah, he did. But you know, basically, you know, uh, only like you know, fifty or so passes of the ball into the game. You know, West Ham go up uh, one nil, uh, and then Three it minutes, sort of you know, yeah. yeah. Then it sort of slowed down and was a lot more fair, um, which I suppose you can call as fair if um, you know West Ham get a super lucky goal. Hmm. You know, there might not already be too much in it, but then right on the stroke of halftime, um, Forest, I think, showing how they're able to ha- have pulled off good results so far this year and why they're so much higher up the table than they were last year. They just have all these players who are yeah. willing runners. They're all great mixes Skillful. of strength yeah. and skill and pace. Um, so, you know, even, you know, you've got guys like Taiwo Awani, who's, you know, six foot four and, yeah. you know, probably close to 200 pounds. And then you have like Anthony Langa, who's, you know, like five foot eight and probably closer to 170. Yeah. Um. So, you know, but they're both like absolutely rapid. Both yeah. hold yeah. up the ball really well. Um. So, you know, tied it up right before halftime, and I thought, you know, that's you know kind of fair. Um. On the grand scheme of things, and then in the second half, Anthony Alenga scored and took off his shirt. Yeah. Which is can we one talk of the about strangest? That? What the yeah, hell strange was that? to do? That was two um, one. You're taking off your shirt. That was. I mean, it was a good goal, but. What? You should never take off your shirt before the 85th minute. Right. Exactly. Um, that was yeah, very strange. a strange decision, but not not the worst. It's not like this egregious thing. It's just silly um, rather than stupid, I would say. Um, yeah. But what made it even sillier is uh, that man, Jared Bowen, uh, 150 million pounds it must cost now to get him. Uh, there's no way. There's no way West Ham yeah. can afford to let him go. I, I wanted to jump in with a quick question about him um, because he had another great game. <clears throat> he was crucial, really. You know, I mean, I, do you think West Ham are in real danger of losing him next summer? And which Premier League club would he fit? I mean, you know. Well, I mean, I think what Premier League side he would fit 
uh he would be excellent at Newcastle. I hate to oh, say that to you. God. But no, I think That's like true. a Liverpool, Liverpool or probably right. Uh you know, even United? If, uh no. No. I was gonna say Chelsea, maybe. Um he's too old for Chelsea, but United, um, I mean Anthony is terrible. Sancho's out the picture. But they're no, they're just gonna spend like eighty five million on some else, yeah. French player. player. Yeah. yeah, some Belgian player, like some random. Yeah. Continental I, I, European player. I actually think the more interesting question that I have about Bowen, because we've sort of gone over the will he leave and where will he go before, the, the more interesting question is how fast will he break West Ham's Premier League goalscorer record? So for context, he has 35 and Antonio has 63. Do you think, do you think he'll do it? And if so, when? I guess it kind of depends on if Mikel Antonio leaves anytime soon. Mm. Well, I mean, um, Mikel Antonio doesn't look like he's going to score another goal anytime soon. So, remember a couple weeks ago, <laughs> the, you know, the season had just started, and you were eating your words about Mikel Antonio. How quickly couple, you forget? A couple Oscar. months ago, to be fair, a couple of months ago. But, um, um, but yeah, you're right. Yeah, yeah. I just thought it was interesting because my dad kind of mentioned it this. Uh, past weekend, he's actually been incredibly prolific for us, stats wise. I mean, just the amount of goals he scored and the time that he scored it as not an out and out striker is really impressive. Did you know that <clears throat> uh, Steve Bruce chose not to sign Jared Bowen because he thought he was too small yeah, to crack it? I in did know that Jared Bowen has talked about that in interviews uh, yeah, for West Ham before. Yeah. yeah, um, yeah, I think. Well, so Jared Bowen's a a weird one. He's twenty seven, right? I thought he was twenty six, but he's around that, yeah. Yeah, so you know he should be coming, you know, into the peak of his. Yeah. The peak. It's funny. He looks like he's like thirty one. He does um, look old. Yeah, yeah. Uh, you know, he's coming into his peak. You know, Mikhail is bowing out. I think it really just depends. You know, do you convince him to stay? I could really see him staying at West Ham. Just because he's not like a very sexy signing for a big six. Yeah, yeah. Um, I mean, he just signed a lucrative contract with us. I, I, I know this is kind of silly. I mean, he is like has kids with Danny Dyer, daughter also called Danny Dyer. Danny Dyer, obviously being a massive West Ham fan, so I don't know. Maybe that could be a factor. Although he uh, notoriously is a Manchester United fan, so I don't know. Maybe if they do come knocking for some reason. He might be more than tempted to go there, but but I have hope. He signed a long contract. I'm sure he's on a lot of money. He's settled there. Uh, his family's from around there, um, so hopefully, hopefully, yeah. Um, I could really see him staying, um, mm. but if <clears throat> if he does go to Manchester United, he will, you know, probably only start like. 20 matches of their season and spend the rest of the time on the bench. I don't know. I feel like Eric Ten Hag would kind of love him. Oh, that's if Eric Ten Hag lasts. Stays, yeah, true. Oh, yeah. For Um, as long as it would take to sign Bowen. Yeah. Uh, And then, just to wrap this up, um, of course, the match was won by Thomas Suchek. Thomas Um, Suchek. He scored crucial goals for us this season, yeah. Yeah, in the last month, he has been everywhere. Um, I feel like whenever West Ham need a header, you know he's there, yeah. Um, and uh, also, you know, ten out of ten goal, great power header. One out of ten celebration, especially for like yeah. an eight, like almost ninetieth minute. What a shit celebration! <laughs> he did his little uh, crossed, crossed arms, hammers, right? I meant the the twirling. Um, oh, the twirling was. I mean, yeah, it's classic. Sort of don't know what to do with yourself. So was Sochek. I mean, I I think so. The the big some article went viral on, on social media for what in the West Ham sort of fan community uh, that was like, it's time to defend Thomas Socek. I think that was the title. And uh, it's sort of all about how it's time for us to collectively uh, sort of apologize to him for the criticism he faced. And, and he did uh, the last, like, you know, it, under our Moy success, he had the, the first season where he was incredible sort of saved us from relegation and then and then the last sort of 18 months he's been panned a bit um probably unfairly but wow i mean he's come back with a you know he's keeping ben rama out of the team now in this new role up up there not not 
he's not really defending as he used to, um, and he's more of a, an attacking threat, a la sort of Philip Billing, just a massive guy in the box. But yeah, it's 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 great to see, and um, only twenty eight, so also coming into his peak years, I suppose. Yeah, very very interesting player, mm. um, and yeah, West Ham on their uh, everlasting quest to field only defensive midfielders and attacking it's, midfielders. It's um, it's a great quest, in my opinion. It's it um, a pretty good one to have. What did you think of the return of Kurt Zuma here? What, how do you think he played? Because this was the debate I was having with my brother about sort of rotating between Mavropanos and, and Kurt Zuma, and maybe who's the better fit among those two players. I know Mavropanos is suspended for this game, but we were sort of saying Zuma has the tactical brain for it, but not the physicality because he he like cannot run. Like I don't know if you'd look at him, but his knees are just shot to bits. Whereas Mavropanos is younger and has the raw physical skills. Um, what, how, what did you think? Because uh, defense has been a problem for us this season, for sure. Yeah, I mean, I was you know obviously not impressed by West Ham's defending, but no. um, I mean, just look at the you know the back line they played with. You know, Sufal, Zuma, and Emerson. You know, are all players you know, that I would say over the last I don't know six months have not impressed me. Um, mm. Going backwards, going sure. forwards, sure they're you know quite sure. talented, but um, yeah, on Kurt Zuma. Um, I guess you know he's had what three major knee injuries and yeah. an ankle injury, and yeah, he's yeah. been playing you know first team football since he was like seventeen. Yeah. Um. So, you know, I wouldn't be surprised if it is it catching him, but I I didn't notice like specifically Kurt Zuma was the issue mm. in this game. Mm. Not like the uh, Tottenham game where you could like clearly see this see that he was this. Yeah. This was this player's mistake. Um, right, right. Um, yeah. What's the the vibe? Uh, you know, on in London with the how West Ham are right now. You know, a good bit, a third of the way into the season. Yeah, top so, half of the table. So I think that this was a really important win for us because prior to this, we'd actually won more games in in the cup competitions than we had in the Premier League. Um. And granted, you know, we, we're in a few cup competitions, but that sort of says something for, for the dip we, we've had over the past couple of months um, in, in, in the Prem. And, uh, you know, we can see that we slipped slip down the table. I think it's pretty calm at the London Stadium. I haven't heard any clamour about Moyes. I haven't heard any clamour about our form dipping. There's criticism about the fact that it's now been, I don't even know how long, 18 almost 20 years since we've had a uh, a consistently prolific striker um you know obviously antonio is has been great but he's not he you know hasn't always played as an out and out and anatovich sort of the same um so that that striker question i think it's frustrating for us that that's still something that 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 we're worried about but other than that i think people are happy with the squad and happy with the manager and definitely happy with our form in Europe and the fact that that's sort of progressing and um, yeah, we're, we're, we're content. Um, I think the rumblings of discontent from, from last season, because we were spent so much of it in a relegation battle are, are totally gone. Um, so yeah, to be honest, I mean, knock on wood, which I'm doing right now, but I, I'm, I'm, I'm not worried about West Ham at all right now. And, and as a West Ham fan, when you're not worried about West Ham, you're happy. So it's very funny. Yeah. Um, I did see uh, a certain Will Still was in attendance uh, for this game, yeah. which I wanted to ask you, is he a West Ham supporter? Or I saw some uh, people uh, speculating uh, that, you know, he's putting feelers out yeah. there for a Premier League move. Yeah, I don't. Uh, he, so he, he is a huge fan of West Ham um, and he's not shy about saying it. So uh, it does make me kind of uh, kind of exciting. Th- this guy is 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 incredible. For those who don't know, he he's only thirty one. Um, didn't have much in in terms of a, a professional career as a as a player because of injuries, I think. But he's Belgian English, um, and he currently is the head coach of 
I don't know how to pronounce this name. It's in league. Uh, Reem. Reem. Yeah, right. It's pronounced. It looks like Reems. Um, and he is famous for a making Rem, if we want to call it that punch above their weight massively. He's done an incredible job at such a young age, but also famous because he doesn't actually have, or didn't have the proper coaching license. Um, he so still doesn't. he still doesn't. So the club he, he's was making being, it a, uh, like a, a statement, thing. like he so, doesn't want to, uh, the 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 club is being fined twenty five thousand euros every single time um, that that he manages a match, um, which is absolutely insane. Um, but he's doing a he, great job, so it works, I guess. He also learned uh, footballing tactics from the game Football Manager. From Football Manager, yeah, yeah, yeah. Incredible if he makes it to the Prem. Um, I'm sure he will. I mean, I'm sure he will at this rate. Uh, as, as long as he just keeps his head down and, and keeps evolving. It's only 31. Um, I'm sure he will. Yeah. Yeah, very fair. Um, Oscar, should we take it to the other side of the Peak Too Early podcast? Let's do it. Just very briefly. Let's, let's do it. Um, I could wrap up the Burnmouth Newcastle uh, match in one sentence, and it's Newcastle have... 13 first yeah. team injuries. Crazy stuff. Uh, and they, uh, it was very apparent um, yeah. in this match. Newcastle basically tried a tactic that they have not tried this entire season, like a different type of pressing. Yeah. Yeah. Um, and it just didn't work. Um, no. We gave two 17 year olds their senior debuts. Um, yeah. That and one they actually the both, right? Yeah, they both you know covered themselves fine. Um, mm. They certainly did not stand out or stick out. Um, but you know, no player for no one played atrociously or anything for Newcastle. Um, right. It was just very evident that it was something that Newcastle have not really tried. Um, and Newcastle certainly exhausted themselves. Um, you know, coming back from Dortmund, but the just a few days before that, absolutely choking Arsenal. Um, at St. James's Park, uh, in a match that is m- the way that Arteta and Arsenal fans have been talking about this match, you would think Arsenal stood any chance. Um, Arsenal only had one shot on target. Mm. It was a speculative shot from about 30 yards out, straight at Pope. Um, he just caught it, and Newcastle immediately fast broke on Arsenal. Um, but the big talking points are. Basically, VAR and then Arteta's reaction, um, which I thought my biggest thing, you know, like, you know, who cares? You know, Arteta's a little baby. He whinges about everything. He does. He really does. If you're, he called this like the most egregious mistake ever. And what this does is the people who are arguing for VAR in its current use will say, like this is how Arteta talks about, you know, how VAR should be used, um, and you know he's wrong that it's this horrendous mistake. You know, it's not, you know, Liverpool Tottenham. It's not Crystal Palace Newcastle. You know, it's not in that same tier of mistakes. Um, mm. In my opinion, this is exactly how VAR is supposed to be implemented. Um, it, and they came out and said, yeah, afterwards. We get that people you know, don't like the decisions, but there was not enough for us to overrule the on-the-field call, um, mm. which on all four incidents that Arteta is ranting and raving about, I think is true. Mm. I, I, I see your perspective. I still think that this, uh, this specific challenge on... on um, Gabrielle. Gabrielle, thank you, uh, was pretty BS. Um, and I know I flip-flopped because I, I, I watched it. Initially, when I was watching it, I was like, oh, I, it's, it's sort of a bit egregious. And then you convinced me otherwise. And then when I watched it again, I thought, thought that, it, that it, it was... I, I reverted back to my original opinion, mainly because I was thinking of myself in that situation and thinking that if someone did that to me, I'd be really, really angry about it. 
But yeah, I think I think the perspective you bring is a wise one, and I think that it is, it yeah, it's level head, it's level headed because I think we, I mean, I'm not even going to say we're we're going down the path of absolute chaos with regards to VAR because we're firmly entrenched in in a world where people have the craziest opinions about refereeing and uh, how video assistant referee is implemented and all this stuff. It's sort of a shit show, but. But yeah, I, I don't really have anything to, to more to add on to that. Um, I think it's 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 a good point, um, and I'm not really sure what the solution is for for any of this because if VAR is scrapped, then people will just complain um, about the same sorts of decisions and referees not being able to catch them, and it's just I don't know what the answer is. Yeah, um, yeah, I agree. Um, I. You know, I like VAR the concept. I don't like VAR the implementation. Yeah, the implementation, um, sure. Yeah. But um we've talked enough about VAR, you know. Sure. So yeah. we've yeah, talked about right. it as much as anyone could talk about it. Um but I would just say the international break. You know, I hate international breaks, but this is a Me very, too. very sweet one for Newcastle supporters. Um, yeah, you need it. You definitely need it. Um Oscar, before we talk about a match you would like to talk about. Ooh, I would yeah. like to just bring up the last two weeks for Manchester United. Um, okay. In yeah, what were genuinely like pretty pathetic, pretty pathetic performances. And I mean, they're both examples of like the reason I hate big sides in the Premier League mm. um, because you can play like utter shit for you know, 90 minutes or 60 minutes, and then you make substitutions, you bring on $400 million worth of signings on fresh legs, and then they bail you out and you win 1-0. Um, it's just like the the icky side of football um, Yeah, that, you know, really turns me off from a side like this. Um, but uh, for Manchester United, this does get them into the top six. Um, and I suppose, you know, yeah, blah, 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 you know, good teams find ways to win, even when they're, you know, playing poorly, yada, yada. Yeah. yeah. Um, but do you think these like two performances lifts any, you know, pressure off of Ten Hag's back or is, (laughs) is it, he, he at times will pull out these uh, results, but then we'll have these calamitous performances. Yeah. That is really what's piling pressure. Um, I think it's a good question. I think I, I'll I'll start by saying I think the simple answer is I think yes, it does take pressure off his you know hypothetical sacking because simply results mean that you're stabilized pretty much all the time as a manager. And I also saw this thing I think where Eric Ten Eric Ten Hag is. Is the second? How do I put this? I, I haven't done it. Eric Ten Hag is the second fastest to fifty wins as a Premier League manager in the history of the competition, which is quite an incredible stat given the fact that a couple of weeks ago, a few weeks ago, we were talking about Manchester United as a fundamentally broken club. I think it still is in many ways. Um, I, I want to retract maybe a, a statement that I made last pod. I think it was where I said, "What's." I think I, I made a comparison between the Oli regime and the and the Ten Hag regime, and I think I I was trying to sort of say, well, you know, is there much of is there much more of a structure under Ten Hag than there was under Oli? And um, while I still think it's not as starkly different as a lot of people would have you think it is, I I I I, I will take that back. I think that these last few wins have shown us that there is at least some sort of method and structure to to the way the team plays is just not pretty to look at. Um, so yeah, I think it does alleviate some pressure. Um, but but Ericsson Hug still has a whole host of problems. He's got Rashford, who scored thirty goals in all competitions last season on one goal. He's you know he's he's bought a player in Anthony for a hundred million pounds, who was a disaster. He you know is playing Harry Maguire and Johnny Evans when he was fit ahead of Rafa Varane and Victor Lindelof. He can't get the best out of either of his, any of his fullbacks. He, 
has completely alienated Jaden Sancho. You know, the, Mason, the, the, yeah, Mason, Mason Mount can't get sure, off the bench. Mason, Mason Mount can't get off the bench despite the fact when you dig into the numbers, he's been their most effective midfielder bar Bruno Fernandes this season. So, yeah, the problems are still there, um, but the pressure's been alleviated because they've they've got the points and then they're, they're there fighting for the positions in the table. But, yeah, it's it's not the same old... It's it is the same old Manchester United, it seems right now. Yeah, fair enough. Um, just looking at their last you know, ten or so results, um, yeah, they pretty much every positive result they win by one goal. Um, yeah, so you know Luton, Fulham, uh, Brentford, and Palace, and Sheffield United, they all they won those five games by one goal, and then all the other ones are the most hilarious. Uh, calamitous results you could ask for mm. so yeah the three two the, the Copenhagen clanker yeah uh yeah Co- yeah copenhagen four three another clanker Crazy. Uh, by onana newcastle three man U zero another clanker oh, yeah. from onana um so it's just you know it's this whiplash of in the prem they pick up points steadily and methodically yeah, but sure. uh when they fall apart they fall apart really badly for sure. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, I hate Ten Hag. So it's yeah. like, you know, it's half and half. I'd love to see him get sacked because it'd be so funny. But also, I would love for him to stay manager and just to keep things, you know, horrendous and chaotic. Um, Fair enough. Oscar, what yeah. match would you like to talk about? I, I mean, I think we've, you know, we've got to talk about Chelsea Manchester City, right? Because 4 4, one of the, one of the classics of the Premier League. Honestly, I think it's one of the most exciting games of the last 20 years, really. Um, uh, and and yeah, I'm excited to talk about it. Um, did you watch this one? I did. Wow. Um, you, you watched some great yeah. football this weekend. Yeah, it Jealousy. was pretty sensational. Mm-hmm. Um, it... It was really, really close, and you know I think that is, you know, what makes it really a phenomenal match to have watched. Um, you know, sometimes, like when it's four four, you know, like they'll be fluky or they'll be own goals or like, but none of these goals were really fluky. You know, even the ones that came from a mistake by one team, it's because they were like forced into that mistake and. You know, it did really feel like watching like a chess match of, you know, uh, Puch making some move and Guardiola countering, you know, and players switching positions slightly. And yeah. it was all very interesting to watch. Yeah. Um, the only thing is that, like, you know, doesn't make me say it's one of the best matches of the last 20 years is it did feel slightly cheap in a way to end on a penalty and i know that's like no fault of chelsea oh really okay but it just i guess i mean it adds to the drama but it just feels like you know that you know like if they had scored you know a goal from open play rather than a penalty i would say it was a much better game Mm. um but it was a penalty so yeah yeah it it was but i'm just saying like generally I prefer, I way prefer open play goals than penalties. Oh, um, yeah. Fair enough. It just, it feels sort of anticlimactic in a way. Okay. Um, oh. If it's to win the game, I think it's very different um, mm. because I think a last second penalty, especially a last second deserved penalty, is one of the coolest, you know, ways to end the game because it's a one on one, you know, one player calling game or the goalkeeper calling game. Yeah. Um, it's just if if I was scripting a four goal, or I guess yeah, four four draw thriller, I would not script it to end on a penalty. Um, but yeah, overall a sensational match. Um, yeah, I was mostly impressed by Phil Foden. Oh. Um, he is. Just one of the, even though he like you know no goals in this game, I think he mm. might have had one of the assists. 
Yeah. Um, but he, I don't want to call him messy like. Um, yeah. Because that's like a huge comparison. Yeah. But it does remind me so much of like 2010 yeah, yeah. Messi, like head down, touch you know, the ball yeah. just sticking to his yeah. foot and dribbling through three players in the box. Um, yeah, what a talent he is. Um, and just one of the ugliest footballers out there. Um, <laughs> I was also super <laughs> impressed in this match by Bernardo Silva. Um, oh, I mean, every single match he's just. Exactly. He's, it's funny how he's he's kind of a lot like David Silva. Um, yeah, he is. In that all the other players around him would get all the goals and the assists and the accolades. But when you watch a match, Bernardo Silva is so like centerpiece to the mm. success of the side. Yeah. Um, so I, I love watching him play. There were a couple times where he like inverted with Daku. Um, that was just like this guy could be, you know, you play him anywhere in the front five and, you know, you're pretty happy. Um, yeah. On the Chelsea side, um, Tiago Silva, who I've slated a oh lot this God. season, yeah. is very, like, big game players make yeah. big guys. He was at fault players. for the Akanji goal, though. Yeah, but that header is and, sensational. And it, yeah, it was. Yeah, he's one of the players I want to talk about for sure. I'm curious to see, see if you will have the other one that I've written down here for Chelsea. For Chelsea, um, I was impressed by Reese James a lot. Oh um, yeah, Reese James and Cole Palmer. Yeah, it's um, it's Cole like Palmer. Yours. Cole Palmer. Yeah. Um, um, Reese James. They're a different side with Reese James in the team for sure. He's he's so important for them. But yeah, Cole Palmer. I think we got a spotlight Cole Palmer because he just got an England call up. Um, there's been withdrawals. Callum Wilson is one of the withdrawals. I think uh, James Madison. Yeah. Uh, Lewis Dunk, maybe one of the others. And Cole Palmer is one of the players called up in his uh, stead. And um, I think what strikes me about Cole Palmer and it's something that I never saw coming is is his swagger. And his fearlessness. Um, he just doesn't look like a player that should have that much confidence. Uh, and he, he does. Um, yeah, go ahead. He posted on his Instagram story. It was like that meme. And it's like, girls only want one thing. And it's Cole Palmer. Um, which I was like, what a weirdo. Like, yeah. What a weird thing to post about yourself. Yeah, that uh, is super weird. I mean, shows I guess you how he is, insecure he is. Dripping with confidence, um, yeah. He's just ice cold, isn't he? And he doesn't get phased by mistakes. Um, you know, it took serious guts. For, I mean, I, I, I know he's, I mean, he's 21 and he's their pen, penalty taker. And I think that's saying something already for his confidence. But it takes guts to take a 95th minute penalty against your former club and just like slot it away. Um, and then stare down the... And then stare face. down the, the barrel of the camera. Um, it's kind of cold. Um, but but my question for you about Cole Palmer is, who who is the more exciting talent, Palmer or uh, Anthony Gordon? Anthony Gordon has shown more over a longer stretch of time than Cole yeah. Palmer has. Cole Palmer has burst onto the scene in the last couple of weeks. Um, oh, oh, that's harsh. He's been around the Man City. Uh, oh no no no! I meant like a couple in, years. I meant in terms of everyone talking about him. Yeah, all true, the time. true, true, true. That's true. Um, keep it up for a little bit longer, uh, and maybe I'll give him some credit. But I would say right now, what we've seen, Anthony Gordon is Anthony Gordon is l legit. Uh, mm. I think you know they were bought for the same fee, both for forty-five million. Mm. Um, and I think the the most important thing is both have way surpassed the return on investment for their clubs. So, mm. um, yeah, that's yeah. all I can say. And I'm sure Chelsea fans would take Cole Palmer and Newcastle supporters would take Anthony Gordon. Um, and so I think both are just happy to have the one that they have. What they have. Yeah. 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 No, I just, I just think that with Cole Palmer, I just, I'm quite impressed by, I thought it was a terrible move, right? It came close to deadline day. 
45 million. I thought this is ridiculous. This is another, you know, Todd Bowley era random signing. I thought it was a terrible move on his part, but but it's working out really well. And and now he's like, you know, the cliched first name on the team sheet, um, which is it was, which is great for him. And he's linking up nicely with Raheem Sterling, um, who sort of ironically he seems to, you know, I don't know how Raheem Sterling is still being snubbed by Gareth Southgate, but he's he's there instead of him. In the England squad, um, I think I think City are really missing John Stones, um, and uh, because of his injury in the in the midfield, and I think they're missing Ilkay Gundogan as well. I think those two things have have meant that they're lacking some stability in the midfield. I thought this game actually could have called for Rico Lewis, um, another one who, by the way, was called up by by the senior squad um, to replace the injured players, um, just for his for his hybrid sort of ball carrying ability, I think that would have done something to rest even more possession away from Chelsea for, for Man City to control the game in the latter stages. But um, the other guy I want to spotlight is Thiago Silva because at 39, Blake, he's the fourth oldest goal scorer in Premier League history. And I'm wondering if you can tell me who the other three are. Um, 100% I know Ryan Giggs scored yeah. at age 40. Um. My second guess would be that my issue is I don't remember, I don't really remember these players playing, so I don't remember how old they were when they retired. But uh-huh. um, my immediate thought is uh, Robbie Fowler or Teddy mm. Sheringham. Yeah, definitely Sheringham. Sheringham is one of them. Fowler is okay. not. Yeah, Sheringham retired, or sorry, Fowler retired kind of like 33, right? Uh, I don't know because he came sort of came back, didn't he? But but Sheringham is the oldest goal. No, gig. No, Sheringham is the oldest goal scorer in Premier League history. He was forty. Yeah. Um, the other guy is uh, has a son who plays. Um. He at least I don't know if he does anymore, but he played for Wigan Athletic for a long time. Um, and he's oh. now at Sheffield Wednesday. Um, um, Will Will Grigg? <laughs> no, no. Um, hold on, I'm trying to think of that Wigan striker. Um, not Keen. No. Mm. So this player, I'll give you some of the teams that he played for. Not the son, the the the, the actual guy. Uh, most famous for playing for Hull. Uh, oh, Snodgrass. Bradford. No, not Snodgrass. No, 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 no. The oldest players ever to score in the Premier League? No. Snodgrass. Snodgrass. Freaking ancient. No, he's like 34. Um, it's Dean Wendas, Blake. Dean Wendas. Mm. Yeah. Uh, yeah, got it. If you gave me nationality, I would have gotten it. Yeah. Um, right? Dean Wendas? Isn't he? He's English. Isn't he... Is he really? Yeah. Why do I in my head? Why do I think he's Danish? I have absolutely no idea. Because of Jonas uh, Wind, uh, who is a go. Danish player, right? <laughs> Maybe. Uh, no, Dean Windass. Well, I mean, he looks a little bit like a Viking, so you know. Um, right. I, yeah. I, he's another player I don't really think of um, yeah. Yeah. because mostly played before my time. Um, okay. Yeah. Very fair. Uh, notably, Thiago Silva is the sole defender on that list. Yeah. Uh, uh, yeah. How old was wait? How old was Leighton Baines when he retired? Thirty-seven, thirty-eight. Okay, so yeah. he because I remember he scored in his final season. He did score in his final season, but he wasn't um, uh, super old, right? And um, then Seamus Coleman scored in the cup last year. Yeah, but he's I not that old say. either. But he. Yeah, he's old. He's like 36, right? Yeah, but that, I mean, that's not close to... Right, right, right. you got to get up to 38 to get into oldest territory, you know? Fair enough. Um, um, uh, yeah, maybe Thiago Silva will score again. He turns 40 pretty soon, I think. Um, James Collins 35. Um, yeah, Thiago Silva. I just, you know, he, he's a living legend for people our age, isn't he, really? Um because this is a guy that was part of the last great Milan's AC Milan side in the late 2000s, right. which at this point, 
just feels crazy. And I always forget about Thiago Silva that the first like five or six years of his professional senior career, he wasn't even playing at a he was playing in Brazil and then I think he went to Russia. Um he's just had the most odyssey, just crazy career at the top level. And I mean, when you look at him, he doesn't look like a forty year old, you know, a close to forty year old. He looks at, if if you told me he was thirty one, I would be like, okay. Um he just looks amazing. Uh, I wonder how long he has ambitions to play for. Um, I'd be curious to know. Um, Because it doesn't sort of feel like this. he wants this to be his last season or anything. Um, So, yeah. 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 And and anyway, his header is so good. That's what I wanted to say. Um, I don't think people are talking enough about the technique on that header um, that he scores, um, where he sort of dips his head low and and rifles it into the the bottom left-hand corner. It It was quite something. Um, and then I, the last thing I have to say about this game is is set pieces. This game was was all about the set pieces. I mean, you, you have the Thiago Silva header, and you have the Akanji uh, header, and you have the Erling Haaland goal, um, and you have the penalties. Um, the quality of set pieces. I, I'm wondering, you know, is it super high this season across the board, or is it that the defending is lacking? I wonder if it's because players are worried about um, handling in the box. That's my theory, that they're they're so worried about VAR that they won't put their hands on each other. And so you're well, sort of getting these guys that Kukureya well, dragging that's true. down Holland. But you know, Kukureya, um, so yeah, um, yeah. I will say, um, yeah, talking about yeah, uh, diminishing defensive uh, jobs in this game. Um, kind of, you know, what I was talking about how. Brentford, West Ham, you know, there was no like pointing, you know, like point source mistakes versus, you know, general mistakes. Mm. This match was full of point source. Like you could point at the player who made the mistake. Um, yeah. So like Vardiol getting, you know, absolutely twisted up. Um, Thiago Silva um, on the Akanji goal, you know, and it, it did feel like at times there was like these slips of, quality um but i also think both sides really rattled the other side Um, yeah they did there was a lot of reacting um in this match so like it felt a lot like you know one side would have a big chance and then all of a sudden you know the other would be on the back foot um and then something would happen and it would dramatically swing you know how this went um and so there was a really nice ebb and flow um which, yeah, I, you know, um, I, I really wish it had uh, a ninth goal. Um, yeah. would have been the cherry on the icing. Um, yeah. But um, I actually would hesitate to call it the best match of the weekend. Um, oh, yeah? Oh, yeah. Uh, I think well, it's I guess, which one you think is the best match of the weekend. Not... The best match, you know, because best match is like front to start. So sure. it would be unfair to call Chelsea City not the best match. Yeah. But um, for the absolute sensationalism, the high of the high of the weekend, I think, was the Wolves 2-1 winner. Um, oh, the two, over the Tottenham. Wolves. Okay, yeah. Um, I am very fortunate enough to have watched the last bit of this uh game like the last i don't yeah, know the last it felt bit. like it felt like an hour but uh only because there was so much extra time played this the second half um which this was another example of spurs just absolutely falling asleep um eric dyer is a literally one of the worst defenders i've ever seen <laughs> um I, that has been a steadfast opinion of mine on this podcast. Yeah, you hate Eric Dyer. It's been called a hot take. It's been called a cold take. Uh, but I maintain that it's been the truth spoken on this podcast. Uh-huh. Watch his tracking on the Mario Lamina goal. Um, he attempts to play an offsides. Uh-huh. Um, so he intentionally leaves Lamina by himself uh, for the... 97th minute goal uh which i think the ref only gave five minutes of extra time and yes uh you know tottenham were just dicking around and making substitutions and you know intentionally not putting the ball back into play which 
in today's Premier League is such a like farcical thing to do. And other than mind games, it literally does nothing anymore. Um, so it was very, it was funny. It was perfect. Um, but my question for you is, what does this do for the Tottenham title charge that they've been waxing poetic about in media? Was it? I'm sorry, you you cut out. Was that a question for me? Yes, I was saying, what does these you know two results back to back for Tottenham? Ah. What does this do for yeah. the Tottenham title charge that we've been so told was happening? Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. I mean, I think that was a legitimate. Maybe I think that was a pretty legitimate thing to say. Um, I mean, I think I think maybe we got carried away a little bit just because of the positivity that's coming out of this Ange regime. Um, I made a joke to you. I think that it was Spurs being Spursy, and and I think that that right there is the thing that Spurs as a institution, if you want to call them, will be so desperate to keep at bay because finally, what we've all been talking about is Ange ball instead of the fact that Spurs are just like capitulate. And I think that would be something that Ange Postacoglu is also desperate to get rid of. Um, this idea that they are flaky when, when it comes down to it. Um, yeah, it, it does definitely bring everything crashing down to earth. And um, if Newcastle didn't exist as a club right now, I think we would all be talking about how devastating Tottenham's injuries are because they have now Madison out for a, a period of time. That was always going to happen because Madison, I don't think, will ever go a season in his career without without having an injury. Unfortunately, that just seems to be the way his body reacts. Um, and you've got, uh, you know, a defensive crisis with uh, a suspension for Romero and the Dutch guy whose name is escaping me, Van der Ven, um, also being out for an extended period of time. Um, yeah, their injuries are, are significant. Um, so, 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 yeah, I think the, the, the title was probably never really in their hands, uh, despite the fact that they're, they're still up there. But I don't think that this should necessarily dent their top four hopes. And, and that is great progress for Tottenham um, anyway. So, so I think the biggest thing to, to cut a long-winded response short is never mind the title talk. Their real focus should be on keeping the positivity going amongst the fan base and keeping the mockery at bay amongst all the other fan bases. And then that, that is what they need. Yeah. Um, I, yeah, sure. I agree. Um, I just, I love to see Tottenham choke something away. Um, I wanted to shout out, a couple of players for Wolves who I think have been having very good games. Um, Toti Gomes, uh, the central defender. I doubted him when he first came in. Yeah, I thought yeah. he'd take the first couple of appearances. But he has turned himself into quite, uh, quite, the, quite the player. And he also is very good at uh, progressing the ball, which is you know nice to see. I like a big man with great ball handling. Um, and then uh, Jean Rissner, Belagar, um, very impressive mm. couple of games for him. Um, I can see why Wolves fans are very excited about him. And then ever-present man of much praise, Craig Dawson. Um, yeah, what a rock he is. Um uh, it's kind of wild that he's only 33. Like, I, Yeah, I it is, isn't it? And he's been around forever. I, I, I think it's because we also... There was another Dawson that was a Premier League stalwart for years. Michael Dawson. Um, and I think that they sort of blended together. Um, so you sort of... Yeah, in a way. But yeah, no, Craig Dawson has, has been around for years. Um, it is very strange that he's only 33. He could feasibly... With his injury record, he could feasibly have another three or four years in the Premier League, uh, pretty easily because he's he's you know he's sort of the classic he's never been fast type player. Um, yeah, I mean yeah, it's because it's because he came through at West Brom, uh, and West Brom he was at West Brom for nine years, and for those nine years they were pretty much in the Prem, 2010 to 2019, and so he's just felt like he's been around forever. Um, Really, his career was completely revitalized by West Ham. So, 
He's got to be grateful. Yeah, to us, I agree. I um, I just I pulled up his Wikipedia because I was interested. He's a little bit of a club killer. Um, is he? he he's <laughs> played at a lot of clubs who are in serious, you know, like their future is in, you know, massive perils. Rochdale, West Brom, Bolton. Uh, oh yeah, true. Yeah, three clubs with huge, uh, and then Wolves. Yeah, um, West Brom, green yeah. roots of uh, recovery for West Brom, I think. Yeah, but you know, all players who in the last or all teams in the last few years who have had massive crises, crises. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah, um, yeah. Shout out Wolves. Um, my friend Vivian, who her birthday was two days ago, who you know as well. Uh, I do. She's a massive wolf supporter. So, um, that's a joke, by the way. Yeah. She just randomly picked that she, she was a she, wolf yeah, supporter, she, um, yeah. and it's been a bit ever since. Um, other than that, Oscar Saywell, uh, are yeah. there any matches we should talk about? Palace Everton, right? Ah, uh, another phenomenal match. Another uh, match um, I watched. We can do it. Yeah, I, I don't have anything other than than this one here, really. I I just uh, yeah Everton have turned into a solid side. I think you were telling me this over the weekend. Um, Dijkstra is sort of finally taking effect, if you want to call it that. And I think the way that I would describe Everton now is that they have like a good spine, right? So the names I pick out here are Dominic Calvert-Lewin, who is just so crucial for them, right? But but beyond that, you got Pickford, who I know you hate, but is a good goalie. Tarkovsky, uh, D- Decore, who I swear to God, every single time. Everton score, he scores one of them. Um, Jack Harrison is playing well, and Dwight McNeil is playing well, and so you've just got a, a decent squad there. Um, and and I think that, it, yeah, it, I don't know. It always seems with with clubs in financial crises that as soon as they face a points deduction, the the team somehow starts to become endearing. Obviously, unless it's Man City or something. And um, I I. I found myself having to dial it back because I was like, oh, Everton, I'm glad they're doing well. And then I was like, no, I can't because Blake hates Everton. And I can actually get behind that take. Um, I Go, sorry. I think it's absolutely phenomenal that you bring up that point because I almost texted that to you. Like, I literally thought about <laughs> texting you. No way. Oh, it's kind of nice to see Everton doing well. <laughs> but, yeah, and then I was like, oh, wait, what the fuck am I talking about? Like, I could never, I could never let those words escape my mouth. Um, but yeah, just uh, it does, you know, the performances are a lot like, you know, they, they, they take me back to like Rafa's Newcastle, you know, like a team of players who aren't the best, but, you know, play a very rigid, uh, disciplined form of football that, you know, will do enough to keep you safe. Um, yeah. Yeah. And yeah, and yeah, Sean Dyche, for as much as he's a, a weirdo, he is very like likable. Um, yeah. I know you don't like him, but he's like the classic, well liked by the media because he makes funny jokes um, oh. kind of manager. Um, and so, and they have players who are very cool. Um, so, yeah, they do. Like, they do. it's objectively very cool that Ashley Young is playing oh, so yeah. well. And, um, uh, he's ancient. I mean, he's truly ancient, and he's playing in a position where it's like, how is he that good at thirty-eight? Yeah, and Abdullah Decore is you know built yeah. like Frankenstein, and yet he's you know absolutely yeah. rapid, pops up yeah. everywhere, can do everything, yeah. you know, touch you know of a magician and all this stuff. Um, yeah, and then uh, yeah, my shout out from this match is. Uh, Jared Branthwaite, who oh, yeah. at one point he was horrific. Um, yeah. And I guess it's you know, literally just because he's young. But this year, he's been quite something. Um, and uh, also, I saw, I don't remember exactly what it was, but um, the the players that appeared in this match, Everton bought them for like a combined, like only like 65 million or something. Um, Mm. The number was very low for a club that, you know, over the past few years have been the most irresponsible spenders other than Chelsea Mm. uh, and Man U. So 
um, a lot of players that they got on like bargain bargain deals, you know, yeah, playing very well right now. No, I agree. The, the, the only other note I have for this match is imagine if uh, Eberiche Eze was at Man City in place of Jack Grealish, how good he would be. Yeah, he's an incredible player. Um, he is another player that I think we're going to see leave Palace in the summertime. Um, oh, I'm sure. He's just such a magical footballer. Um, he he was pretty much the reason Palace were in this match. They, he pretty much could not do anything wrong yeah. in this game. Um, yeah, he wins the penalty and yeah. Yeah, lovely footballer. Um, and then uh, the only other like thought I had about these past two match days is going back to the Brighton conundrum. Um, who? Yeah, I, I guess the plus side is they're they're picking up points, but the issue is if you average a draw a game, you know that's relegation form. Yeah. Um, and I just. I can't really exp- explain this clump, um, you know, or sorry, slump. Um, well, but, yeah, what? I, I just, I feel like it, it goes back to what I said at the start of the season. I was like, surely this can't keep going, right? This cannot keep going. This, and I mean, we don't often disagree, so you, you, I don't think you disagreed with me, but it was more of a reaction to all the other, you know, podcasts and, and the stuff I read and listen to, where, I mean, you know, the effusive praise of Brighton, which is absolutely deserved. And we love Brighton on this podcast. We love the way they're run. And Deserby is, is super interesting. But there's just no way that you can have your best players taken from you every single year and still survive and punch that far above your weight. There's just absolutely no way. And I think we're seeing that play out right now uh they also have europe that they've been contending with and that's a new experience for them and hasn't been going super well so i'm sure that's not their confidence and all the other managers are paying a lot of attention to them and so therefore you know they're not going to be underestimating them this kind of stuff so yeah uh yeah yeah i think it'll be really interesting to see uh, where they are in a few months time and whether deserby will be able to to evolve the team again to to be able to start to to punch above above their weight more again yeah. Yeah. Um, this result did get Sheffield United off of the bottom of the table. Um, I also think it's very strange how you know the the Sheffield United you know like media members and fans that I've heard are all overwhelmingly behind Paul Heckingbottom, um, which is just something I don't. It's very hard for me to understand, like being so behind a manager who's gotten so little out of a squad, right? Um, but you know, I suppose they know more than I do. So yeah, um, yeah. and I like any player who's or any manager whose name is Heckingbottom. Um, <laughs> I think that's absolutely phenomenal. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. Um, all right, Oscar. Any other yeah. matches you'd like to discuss? Nah. That's, that's all for me. It was a great match day, though. Yeah, it was very lovely. Um, when we return... So what is this international break for? Is this Euros. the qualifiers? Yeah. yeah. Not Euros. the pro- Euro proper, right? But Euro 2024. Are you serious? Yeah. The, the real thing. The real thing. Is happening. No, yeah. no. The qualifiers. Okay. Okay, yeah, yeah. yeah. No, the, the, the next thing is, 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 is in the summer. Yeah, no, it was stupid. Okay, that's fair yeah. enough. Uh, what West Ham players are? Jared Bowen. That's a great question. I don't know. I'm not even going to bore you with... I know Jared Bowen's going. Uh, maybe Thomas Socek. I don't know if the Czech Republic is still around there. Um, yeah, I don't know. Yeah, just running over the squad. I Probably not like. many. James Ward Prowse yeah. didn't make it. Agud is Moroccan. Zuma is not playing for France. Al fullbacks, no. Uh, Pakita is Brazilian. Uh, Kudus is not. 
Guinean. what is he Ghanaian? Go uh, is a Guinean? Yeah, okay. Um, no, I think he's from Ghana. We should know that. I'm going to Google it. He's definitely uh, so from Ghana. He is Ghanaian, and um, yeah, yeah, no. Yeah, all of Newcastle's players are injured. I think. Jeez. I, I legitimately don't think a lot of them are with the like the under twenty threes. Right. But yeah. I, everyone, I think. Oh, Fab Share is off with Switzerland. Fab Share. Um, what a great player. And um, literally everybody is injured. So. Oh, trips. Yeah. Oh, of course. Yeah, uh, the rightful captain um, and Dubrovka, and I think Emil Kraft still got called up for Sweden, Aww. even though he's uh, yeah. Well, didn't he play? Long... He did, yeah, against Manchester United. Oh, that must have match. been a great moment for him. Uh, yeah, he called it the greatest moment of his career, though. So. Which was nice. actually, I don't know if you remember this, but we talked about it. Yeah, I know that's why over I, uh... the summer. Where he, he said gave an interview, it will be the best day like, of my life, right? Yeah, if I get to appear one more time for Newcastle, it'll be the greatest day of my life. Um, Looks like he will have to appear a few more times because <laughs> you have yeah. no players, so certainly. Yeah. Um, and then uh, when we return, Newcastle have an absolutely horrific run in um, Chelsea, Manchester United, PSG. Um, so not really looking forward to that, but I'm looking forward to having you know players back. Um, meanwhile, West Ham, you know, they continue to you know beat up on poor Eastern European squads when they get back. Um, yeah. They'll play bottom of the table Burnley and then Basca Tapala. Um, yep. If a uh, club so bad that Google did not even. Add their crest nope. to the uh, to the schedule. Classic, classic. Um, but yeah, uh, any emails? Nope, sadly not. Uh, well, I'll I'll make people. Uh, I'll get people to send in a couple yeah. more. Um, well, until next time, uh, please like and review and rate the podcast. Please, please send do. us an email at t h e p two e p at gmail dot com. Please follow us on Twitter. Um, both the uh, podcast account and me and Oscar. Um, And until next time, take care. Bye.